Babe Ruth, Giancarlo Stanton, Bryce Harper, Manny Machado. What do these players have in common? The Indians are not discussing acquiring any of them. But they do have interest. I can confirm they have interest in all of those players. Okay. What kind of interest? <laughs> the kind of interest that you probably have as you're scanning your Instagram feed late at night. Anyway, welcome to the Selby's Godcast. I forgot the name there for a second. Live at the winter meetings in Lake Buena Vista, Florida. You were so adamant to get that name, and then you forgot the name of the actual podcast that you debated, screamed, lobbied for for weeks. Look, I do a lot of podcasts, okay? Like? Anyway, so we are here at the winter meetings. So much going on. It's Everybody is trying to be seen, looking for someone to talk to, and... Trying to get all the scuttlebutt, what are the latest rumors, all the hot gossip, the hot stove is burning. There's nothing going on. This is such a fraud of an event. Um, and from the Indians' perspective, it is quiet. Chris Antonetti, Mike Chernoff, Terry Francona, and many others hold up in a suite in the Dolphin Resort. Watching MLB Network, eating granola bars and Cheez-Its, and playing cards maybe? Like, what do they do up there? Sitting on that... Did we f- decide what color that couch was? What did you actually say in your article? I said navy, but I think it's more of like a cornflower yeah, or a periwinkle. It was just a weird texture to that couch, one I don't think I've seen before. Yeah. I'll have to go. I need one of those boxes of 96 Crayola crayons <laughs> to identify. It was well, somewhere between Robin's Egg Blue and Midnight Blue. It's such a weird dynamic when, for us... Once a day, we get brought up into the a, a suite. It's not the suite because they have multiple rooms. Uh, the the rooms that we generally get brought up into are are not the ones that they sleep in. Though we have been brought into rooms. I, I remember going a few years ago, and Antonetti like plopped down on the bed, and he was like, "All right, let's go. What do we got? What do we what do we want to talk about today?" Winter meetings after dark. Yeah, maybe have to wait for the second part of this podcast. But it's weird because the. The interactions, as you know, Zach, are are friendly and they're very much laid back compared to uh, what you see in the middle of the season or something's gone awry or you have to talk to the general manager because there's usually three or four of us up in the room. Um, so it's a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more conversational, but you never really lose sight of the, the true part of this is that we're up there to try to get information and the front offices are generally trying to keep us from getting the information that they want. There's certain parts of different information that that teams do want out there, the same as agents, and this is what this is all about. It's about trying to gain leverage over somebody, whether it's in a trade or it's through free agency or, or whatever. But that's what always makes it a little bit awkward because you can ask things and generally you you get sent in a different direction something to try to keep you off the path of what is actually happening so it does get a little bit frustrating at times that you're not getting you're not really getting the I don't expect to get 100% the truth but you know you're still trying to get little little nuggets little things that you can chase and for the Indians this year I don't know if it's as much about them trying to throw us off the scent as much as maybe they just aren't uh, up to as much as they've been in years past. How many times on Monday did Chris Antonetti ask us what we were hearing? <laughs> At least three. Three or four times, yeah. So it's almost like they want us to come up there to see if they can get information out of us. Like, we're not even trying to get any information out of them in their minds. But 
Yeah, it's... Imagine what it would be like to cover this event if you were a Yankees writer or a national writer. So different. And when you're covering the Indians, especially this year, it's just... It's a form... We're here because of the tiny, tiny chance that something major significant happens. You gotta be here. But... but. That's not going to happen, and so probably not. It's. I mean, we might as well go to Magic Kingdom today. <laughs> you want to do that? You want me to hit stop on the podcast? And what are we? What are we next to? Epcot. Next to Epcot, could have lunch at in China or Mexico or Germany. Yeah, dinners all around the world. I think once once uh, for every meal, that'd be nice. Yeah, last I'm trying to compare this to last year because I felt like. We came to the meetings last year with that same sense that the Indians were going to be patient and wait out the market, and that was their that was their goal. But we didn't know at the end of the the road it was going to lead you to Edwin Encarnacion. We, we no none of us really could have predicted that. And even when the first bit of news broke and you started to hear some rumors and people started talking about it, it was like okay, we've seen the Indians been used as leverage before. This is probably not going to end up with a, a marriage between the two, and it ended up playing out the Indians were patient he got pushed into their lap they they pounced opportunistically and it it all worked out so things can change drastically based on one phone call and 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 one conversation and and one team can make a decision to go in a different direction which could lead you down the path to bring back a free agent that you weren't anticipating so I think that's probably the most interesting part of all of this for uh, for me I know I I wrote this a little bit yesterday you know for the Indians they have to they have to keep the door open slightly for for Santana because he's the best option that they can they can have to bring back. He genuinely wants to be back in Cleveland. Where that actually amounts to them being able to align on a contract is still very much a mystery. But compared to all of the all of the options that are out there, he's he's the best they got. So that that's where it's difficult because they have to keep they have to maintain a balance Zach between not shutting the door not shutting themselves out from a reunion there if something unforeseen were to happen you know say let's say the Padres sign Eric Hosmer and let's say the Red Sox go in a different direction via trade with Jose Abreu and and the next thing you know two major suitors for Santana are off the board and the Indians look the most attractive and he takes a little bit less money you have to be of able to make that sort of opportunistic jump again if it presents itself but at the same time if you like Matt Adams if you like Lucas Duda we can have a separate conversation about whether or not they should go after those guys I don't like them but if you wait too long the guys that you like in the free agent market might have found other homes and you might be down to your third fourth fifth or sixth choice in, in that regard the thing working in the Indians favor is as we discussed with Chris Antonetti last week there's more similar thinking across the league. Teams are... You're seeing teams with... that don't have the payroll limitations the Indians have still working with the same... What's the word? Hesitations or... or They, they almost operate like they have limited payrolls. And they, they kind of want to wait out the market too. You, like you're, you're... I think we reached a bubble where those gargantuan contracts those 10-year contracts given to a 31 year old player who you knew the contract was going to be a complete shit show come year five or six through year 10 
I don't think we're seeing those anymore. If the player's 27, that's different. Lindor is going to get that. Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are going to get that next year. But teams are being smarter. They're being more patient, disciplined, and deliberate. And I think because of that, the Indians are here. They're doing the same things here that they would be doing if they were in Cleveland at Progressive Field working in their offices. Yeah, they're having more meetings with agents and other teams face-to-face. But they're doing that because that's just protocol here. Like, right. I think the Indians... Whether they get Carlos Santana or Matt, like, they're not getting anybody this week, I don't think. I'd be shocked if they got someone this week or next week. Like, they are taking this patiently because they have a threshold. And as each day passes, I think every player's price tag comes down a tiny bit. Maybe not with Santana because he's got five or six teams interested, but but the Indians know the maximum they'll pay. And they know that they'll have a chance to to at least have a say in this this bidding war. But it's not like this is like a, a melee anymore where you have 10 really good free agents and they're all off the board really quickly because right. teams are just throwing cash at them. A lot of teams are more patient now, and they kind of operate the way the Indians do because I think whether your payroll is $100 million or $200 million, if you are smart and you're, you're efficient with your payroll – you you can be I mean look at what the Yankees have now, you get you get Stanton, and like they're still talking about going and getting other pieces. And like the Angels edit Otani, he barely costs them anything. They can still sign Mustakis or Hosmer or someone like that. So, it's you don't want to have dead weight on your payroll, and so I think a lot of teams are being patient, and I think that works in the Indians' favor. But I also think it makes for a pretty boring week for us. Well, th- I also think it, pl- it works against the Indians' favor in. The, the trade market because mm-hmm. in the past okay they can't play in free agency like other teams can but they can outwit outsmart somebody in a trade where maybe somebody doesn't see a value somewhere that you do because you're paying attention to more important numbers than other teams are well the days of really that happening are, are really drifting away pretty fast that I know Antonetti has talked about it a number of times over the past week or so where Trades have shifted from from teams that value players differently to teams that just have a surplus in one area and a need in another, and they find a way to align. So because you're all, most teams nowadays are using the same methods of evaluation, and most clubs, if not all clubs now, have pretty extensive analytical departments and trust them to not just be somebody sitting behind a computer. In fact, a lot of teams, those guys are running the, the show now. You can't really pull one over like you used to. So you don't see the same sorts of trades that you did in the past. The only way you really see something happen is if a team has four or five outfielders and they need a a starting pitcher. And a team has six, seven starting pitchers and says, okay, we need an outfielder. And they find a way to, to align. And so maybe the Indians can do that. And I think there's a possibility that they could. Um, and maybe they have to go down the path of, of trading a Jason Kipnis to, to make a, a Carlos Santana contract work. You know, I think all these things are potential options that they have to consider that are on the table. But because you're, you're raising the floor, so to speak, of, of evaluation, you know, I, I'm wondering how you go about raising the ceiling now. How, how do you get on a different level than, than other teams when everybody's kind of playing with the same, with all the same different... Uh, Evaluations. Well, don't you think everyone's calling the Marlins, asking for Marcelo Zuna and Christian Yelich? Well, they should be. And saying, well, if 
that's all you got for Stanton. You certainly don't want. You probably want even less for for those. Well, guys. and that's that's where it, you see a. Uh, you try to find the idiot GM. And <laughs> you, just you find call them over and over again. And teams that you know the blood's in the water, where you know that they are selling. So you know that they. I mean, what what do the Mar? What do the Marlins stand to gain by keeping those players? Nothing. Right. Ticket sales, maybe. So in, in some regard, you feel like maybe you hold a little bit of leverage because it would benefit them more to move those guys. But, I mean, those are the situations where that are probably few and far between, and every other GM is thinking the same thing. You know, what, what do the Indians have to offer for, for Ozuna that other teams don't? And, you know, are you willing to, are you willing to offer more than anybody else? Yeah, I, I don't know if they are. I think he's the type of player that you probably should be willing to have that conversation, but it's difficult. You know, the game has changed, and I think you're seeing that over the past few years, particularly at the winter meetings. So, isn't... I mean, we spent almost a half hour in the Indian suite yesterday. We'll do it again today and tomorrow, but... Like, we don't gain... We don't come away with much. Like, <laughs> I spent most of my time observing everything I could about the weird artwork in their suite and the furniture and the food just because we weren't getting any information in terms of what their plan was what they're like yeah they want to try to build the best team they can that is breaking news they want to try to acquire um talent at in any avenue whether it's relief help or starting pitching help or um, offensive help like, there's nothing groundbreaking. Michael Brantley is recovering well. Like, it's all the stuff we hear every year. So, it makes me think, like, a couple things. One, as we've talked about, the, the flow of information here, the Indians' goal is to keep things quiet, keep things under wrap, not get into specifics, because they don't really stand to gain much by telling us certain nuggets and two, this event, it's, it's designed to kind of give the offseason a little kerosene to the fire. And for some teams, it does that. I mean, it, gets, it forces you to talk. It forces you to, to interact with the agent realm, just other front offices, even, even just talking to media because you're under the same roof. Kind of, it can spark things. But really, this thing is just so hollow to me. And I feel like the more times I cover it, the more I feel that way. <laughs> and just walking around the hotel <clears throat> and just seeing all the bullshit conversations taking place just to take place. Yeah, there's a lot I feel. of that. I mean, there's a lot. You see, you walk down to the lobby, there's a lot of people just kind of... You, ha you have a sense before you ever cover a winter meetings that it's it's basically... People sneaking around the lobby and, and agents and, and reporters talking constantly behind the, the shrubbery in the, in the lobby and, and general managers sneaking around. And when you get here, you realize, okay, it's a lot of reporters talking to other reporters and yeah, some occasionally some secret meetings or secret texts are exchanged and those sorts of things. But um, yeah, it's, it's not quite what you envision before you ever get here. There's a lot of just kind of backslapping and, and and having a good time and building relationships, but I don't know. 
Standing what? in the lobby having a conversation with someone so that everyone else walking by sees you having a conversation with someone. It's so you can see if maybe you see somebody important. You're just standing around to see if something happens, essentially. M- most of the time is a lot of standing or sitting around waiting to see if something is going to happen or if you observe something. And it, you can. You, you can observe something. You can see somebody walking with somebody else. You can see somebody talking to somebody else. The only way you know that is just by standing and waiting and watching and being full TMZ. So it's it's not... It's not quite what you think it is before you get here. What do you think is the biggest misconception you had about the winter meetings before you ever covered a winter meetings? That that this is when all the transactions happen. Well, I mean, there was a time where probably, I mean, and then there may be times in the future where that is the case again. I think groundwork gets done here because it puts everyone in the same building, but I don't think if the Indians weren't here, they would be in their offices meeting <laughs> about Carlos Santana and meeting about Austin Jackson and Jay Brute. Like, they would be having the same discussions. They would just be having them with their own group of people and over the phone with other parties. Well, I mean, technology's changed almost everything, too. Because right. in the past, okay, you pick up the phone, you actually place a phone call. It may be the only time you talk to somebody. Then you meet in person. Well, now guys are exchanging text messages constantly, and they're not all meaningful. I mean, they're really not. There's a lot of um, feeling out. There's a lot of gifts and emojis exchanged. I mean, it's it's not it's not quite the the serious conversation that you always think it is. So, I mean, teams are constantly in conversation in some sort of way with different teams. They Every they day. have a, they have a sense of what other teams want and, and need. The teams don't come here to have these meetings to discuss what they need to accomplish in the off season. They already know. They already know what they need to do. And uh, God, I hate this event. I think I'm really coming <laughs> coming to that conclusion. But don't you get the the sense that the GMs hate it too? Like Chris Antonetti I think he leaves the suite to go maybe get a coffee and to go get dinner. But other than that, like, he knows if he leaves the suite and walks into the lobby, he's going to be stopped by 400 people yeah. who want to just try to get something out of him. And so they just... I think it's different based on what your goals are at the winter meetings. The Indians have a roster that's pretty much in place. Sure. They don't have a ton of flexibility financially. And even roster structure-wise, There's they're limited in what they can do, so... Would that event be fun for you to come to, knowing you can't you can't really do anything major here? You can maybe put some some groundwork together on a trade, or or maybe sign a free agent that's meaningful, but not like impactful. It's not something that changes the course of your season. So I think it's probably different for different GMs too. Different but even if you're teams. if you're a GM who of a team that's linked to everything, you don't want to leave your suite either because you're going to have national reporters stalking you and you're going to have reporters from so many different teams wanting to know the latest. I mean, for those guys, I think it's basically just like three days stuck in a hotel suite. <laughs> and that's miserable. Even if, whether you're busy or not. Yeah, I, I think there are some GMs that probably relish the spotlight more than someone like Antonetti who tr- tends to stay away from that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, it, it's different, it, and for uh, maybe other reporters that feel differently covering different teams. It, we we kind of come here every year with the same sense of what the Indians are are and are not going to do. Um, 
and the only difference is this year they they have some free agents in the pool that you're kind of seeing where else they might go and trying to connect the dots see you know if Brian Shaw is going to find a home or what's going on with Santana but I mean that's really the only thing that has made this interesting for us so far yeah it that's it <laughs> I mean it's I don't know. I don't want to sound. I don't want to like. Well, you do. You sound, sound like, like a Debbie Downer, you, but but you do. That's what you sound like. Yeah, I mean, why I, are you in such a bad mood? Is it because you've had Rock Lobster stuck in your head? I have for had the last that song. Day? I've had Peter Griffin singing Rock Lobster stuck in my head now, almost twenty four hours. But next year I'll have a different tune because it'll be in Las Vegas. True, and you won't be able to track down anybody in Las Vegas, which is fine. That gives me more time to <laughs> play blackjack. You, but see, you might actually see something meaningful doing that. You might actually see somebody, talk to somebody while you're out playing blackjack. Well, so I think, you know, and Andrew Baggerly wrote a really great piece for us Sunday night about the spectacle that is the winter meetings and how ridiculous it is and just funny anecdotes from his, his time covering it. And, and we've done the same thing trying to kind of set the scene and just the ridiculousness of it all. If you walk down to the lobby of this hotel... It's jam-packed with people having superficial conversations and looking for other more prominent people to talk to. And, like, it's... It's it's great when you walk through a crowd of people because unlike everywhere else where no one really looks at each other and no one really wants to make any eye contact, here, people want to see who you are when you walk by. Right. From the most important person, from Scott Boris walking through uh, a crowd of people to the guy that's here that is... 20 years old, 21 years old, going to be fresh out of college, trying to get a job, a low-paying job to to wear a mascot uniform for some minor league team. And, but the minute you walk by, everybody wants to know who you are. So they look at your face, they look down at your credential, they look back up at your face. They they just want to see who everybody is. It makes it makes it so weird when you're walking through really anything, especially the lobby, because that's where that's where all the movers and shakers tend to try to just hang out and see what's happening. So at least next year, like, it'll be spread out, and there's so much to do. And as excited as I am, I don't think I'm anywhere near as excited as Terry Francona is. <laughs> when he found out next year's winter meetings are in Vegas, he pleaded with Chris Antonetti in front of us not to fire him before next year. Um, and the Indians will play a couple spring training games in Vegas in March, the first weekend of March Madness and St. Patrick's Day which I had my bachelor party there last year that same weekend, and it's it's madness. Do you think they'll forfeit after, like, two or three innings? Yeah, yeah. Tito won't make it to the ballpark. <laughs> Typically, Tito doesn't usually... Does he make the... Try to remember split squad. He went to... I think it depends. Did he go to San Antonio last year? I'm trying to remember I if can't he was remember. the one that made the trip. But yeah, this this one might be one where he's signing up to to go to Vegas for sure. Um, yeah, just the the atmosphere here is not what you're expecting, and this particular location isn't great. Last year, I actually enjoyed a lot more. I thought the the DC winter meetings was great because it was almost like a, if you guys are familiar with the the Crocker Park setup or something that is more of like an outdoor mall type area where Uh-oh. there's where there's hope Chris Ossenheimer's not listening <laughs> there's restaurants and things to kind of walk around and see uh, that's the the area took place in last year this year it's at a Disney resort and so you're basically on campus and 
you can walk a half a mile to go see something else, or you're stuck here paying for terrible coffee uh, and waiting in super long lines. I took an Uber to a Target on Sunday. It was not just any Target. Super Target! How was that? Terrible. But you came away with like seven different kinds of granola bars. <laughs> yeah, I did. Well, I still don't have as many as <laughs> the Indians do in their suite, but um, I don't know. I mean, what would be the Indian? The, the Rule 5 draft is Thursday morning. Yes. We'll fly out Thursday morning. For the Indians, like, what's a successful winter meetings? When they leave here a couple days from now, what, what's. Carlos Santana is still a free agent. Okay. Jay Bruce is still a free agent. The longer, the, I mean, as you said, with Santana, it probably doesn't ultimately matter, but you still are keeping the door open there. The longer Jay Bruce is on the market, then perhaps other things lead you down his path. I still don't think that's gen- generally realistic, but I suppose all things are possible. But let's say both of those guys are still free agents. Uh, you've had meaningful conversations with teams about maybe moving Jason Kipnis just to know that those options are on the table if need be and that you know that there's interest elsewhere. Not so much that you're going to pull the trigger, but just knowing that if you need to, if, if you need to clear that roster, sp- that salary space, uh, or you feel there's going to be a, a log jam, you have other alternatives to move guys. Then I think that's important. And I feel like they have to have more contingency plans this year than ever before. Right. They need a contingency plan if Santana goes elsewhere. They need a contingency plan if Santana stays because then they might want to move Kipnis because they can clear that salary and maybe add a reliever or something like that. They, they need a contingency plan if Jay Bruce leaves. They need a contingency plan depending on where Brantley goes. If, what do you think is the most realistic contingency plan? I don't know. This is like a jigsaw puzzle... This is like trying to put together a jigsaw puzzle while wearing a blindfold. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think the most realistic, at, at least at this point, is finding ways to make it work internally. I mean, it sounds... I know Tito yesterday yesterday said that Brantley is still... They still view him as an outfielder. But it certainly sounds like they're really legitimately considering putting him at first base. Um, yeah, he wouldn't. He he says that because if he says something about Brantley at first base, then that's like, then we know that they've right. thought about okay, well Santana might not be coming back. They've already talked to Brantley about moving to like. There's no going back from that. Yeah, just in this very moment, and and like I said, one one little piece of information can change this completely. But I, it still feels like to me that the most likely scenario is Brantley. At first, or some combination of Brantley and Encarnacion and Chisholm Hall at first, or something to that effect, and Jason Kipnis in the outfield, and seeing what they do with thir- at third base. Yeah, could there be a scenario where, I mean, there's talk of the Orioles shopping Manny Machado. There's talk of the Blue Jays shopping Josh Donaldson. Could the Indians? You know, we've been focused so much on first base and and right field with Bruce. Could the Indians decide to go the third baseman route? And if so, do you think that they would be willing to talk to, to, to teams about guys that are going to be free agents after 2018? I don't think there's a, the free agent market for third baseman fits their profile. I don't think Moustakas is coming to Cleveland. 
with a trade, I think it makes more sense to do that in June or July. I think for a rental, like they're going to win the division, right? You would think so, yeah. Yeah, so why pay more to get Donaldson for the full year when maybe you can get him for half a year, pay much less, and still have him for the stretch run in the playoffs? To me, that makes more sense. Now, the risk you take there is what if someone else swoops in and gets Donaldson? Or what if Toronto is contending and they don't want to move Donaldson? I don't think they're going to contend. That division looks awfully difficult. But I think it makes... And I'm not even considering Machado because I think Baltimore would want the moon and the stars for him. But I think Donaldson would make sense in June or July. And then... I mean, it's what they did with Jay Bruce last year. I think there's some there's some benefit there of waiting until mm-hmm. no matter really what you need until July because you don't you don't know for sure what you're going to need until you get there. You don't need an extra big piece to help you beat Chicago and Detroit and Kansas City. We know that. So why why rush it? We'll see what see what you might need when you get to July. Yeah. If what if you have a major injury? What if what if somebody's underperforming? What if somebody that you didn't anticipate? What if Yanni Diaz decides, "Hey, I'm going to start hitting the ball in the air more," and he's got a 850 OPS at third base, uh, and your infield set? I don't know if that that's the likely scenario, but maybe wait and see what you might need, what you might not need. Because if you go back two years ago, you certainly didn't think that the Indians were going to need a reliever, but as it turned out, they needed Andrew Miller, and he almost won them a World Series out of the bullpen. Uh, last year... Too bad David Ross, the man we saw in the <laughs> lobby yesterday. Still shocked as he walks by him that that man hit a home run off Andrew Miller, Game 7 of the World Series. Uh, and then went on to dance with the stars. Um, you go la- last year, did, in, until Brantley got hurt, you didn't know that you were going to need Jay Bruce, but then you needed Jay Bruce, and then you had to make a move. So it's not always like the, the sexy thing to do. It's not fans in the middle of a hot stove with other teams making other moves. And, he, and for us, we want to cover something. We want to analyze something, break down a move, something. But from their perspective, I think there's some, there's some benefit there to, to waiting to see what they need. Because as you said, the need's not as pressing to go win the division. You've got three of the teams in the division that are going to struggle to win 70 games this year and are in some area of rebuilding. And the Twins, I don't know that you can just sleep on them and write them off as as flukes because I think they're a talented team and with some moves they could make it a little bit interesting but I, they're still two, three, four moves away from legitimately challenging the Indians. This is a team that they lost major pieces last year true but what? so they go from over 100 wins down to 93 without making any moves? So they're, they're over a 90 win team right now. Right and is their October projection any different? I mean, if they're going to win a World Series, it's because Kluber and Carrasco pitch like horses, and Allen and Miller are great in the bullpen, and Lindor and Ramirez and Encarnacion have get timely hits. Like it was the same formula last year; it just didn't work. Right. And so I don't think any of that's changed. You'd love to have Santana. You'd love to have Bruce. You'd love to have the depth they had. But those guys are not. I don't think they're going to move the ledger too much on their October chances. Right. I mean, you can you can up it a percentage point or two, or mm-hmm. depending on you know who you're going after. But mortgaging your future, there are some guys that I think are worth that are worth doing that for. 
Um, a guy like Ozuna is interesting because it's not just a one-year rental, and he's he's got the look of a, a superstar type player. Uh, Kristen Yelich probably cost more than the sun, the moon, and the stars, but he's another guy. You know, you're looking for those guys that you control for multiple years and don't necessarily close your window, even if you're trading prospects. But the odds of of those guys getting moved, you know, I, don't, I don't know at this point. And we just don't have enough fuel on the fire, uh, despite being you know, sitting here in the middle of the winter meetings, to really know if that's going to happen. Yeah, I, it's baseball off season is weird. I mean, we see in other sports, like like the NFL, where it's yeah. first day right off the board, and everybody signs. And the NBA starts at midnight, and you already have teams and players at twelve oh one a.m. agreeing to to long. And how many of those Major NBA contracts? contracts are trash? Sure. Absolute sure. trash. So baseball's offseason is weird. How much did Timofey Mozgov get? It was like four for 64. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my goodness. And that doesn't include his endorsement deal from, was it Brew Garden? Or? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Classic. Um, so in conclusion, the winter meetings are what? They are overrated. Yeah, it's probably the noisy. Way. Noisy. There's a there's a lot of of mindless chatter for always. It doesn't match the level of activity, or rarely does. You know, it was it was cool to see the the Yankee press conference yesterday with John Carlos Stanton. Sure, as they you know brought him out in front of the media and to see all of that take place. And when something actually happens here, it makes it. It makes it pretty fun to follow, even if you're not the team that you're covering, right? Or, or even directly related to that team, you know. If it, even if it's not uh, an American League Central team, to see everybody else kind of leap into action and and everybody to kind of chase leads and and, and 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 get everything settled, that's that's fun to see. It's just probably it's a pretty small percentage of, yeah. of things actually happening that way. Yeah, I... much ado about nothing. Yes, and. I don't know. They're good. It's good for the sport. You know, we make such a big deal about the NFL always like whoring themselves out to TV contracts and making the draft this giant spectacle, making the NFL combine this giant spectacle when who cares if this <laughs> offensive lineman runs a 5.12 40 yard dash. But it's the one thing baseball does that along those same lines and. People yeah. eat it up. I think they do a pretty good job now. I don't a few years ago maybe not, but like MLB Network kills it here. Yeah. They do a tremendous job. Or MLB Network Radio or some there's you as we walk through going to our, our workroom, there's like seven different radio stations and five different T V networks and and I and I think they do a pretty good job of trying to build it up. Um, they probably can even do a better job. When you walk down that hallway, are you purposefully on your phone pretending to text or call someone <laughs> since you might be in the background of the TV camera? Oh, I'd be lying if I said I, I wasn't doing yeah. that. So. Well, it's going to be an, another fun couple of days here. I just hope I don't have rock lobster stuck in my head for the rest of it. We thank you for listening this week to the Selbius Godcast. Hey, TJ, how can people find the Selbius Godcast? If you want to find it. All you have to do is search. I mean, if they're listening, they found it. Correct. But if you'd like to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, mm. you can do that. Thank Leave you us to, a rating. Thank you to everybody that has done that. I've noticed our ratings have, have picked up by everyone that has offered us five stars. 
So keep those coming, and you can leave us a note there too, what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear. More of Zach, less of me. More of TJ, less of Zach. It's fine. We Let us know if you want us to have any guests, suggestions can, for guests. We can play Rock Lobster on loop for an hour. Oh, God. These are things that we can do based on your your desires. Uh, you can also find us at The Athletic. We post it there on the Bumpers app uh, and many different places. Anywhere else, you can plug in an RSS feed. Just search Selby is Godcasts in Google, Yahoo, Bing, Ask Jeeves. You can find us some way, shape, or form. Any parting words for our listeners this week, Zach? We were at the beach. Just these. Everybody had matching towels. Somebody went under a dock, and there they saw a rock. But it wasn't a rock. What was it, TJ? It was a rock lobster. Rock lobster. This will be stuck in your head for the rest of the day. I'm sorry. We're out. See you.